0: Hello, this is Bill Sullivan. I'm the Vice President and General Manager for Denodo, the Logical Data Platform Company. Joining Mr. Ted Cotterell, uh, the Chief Privacy Officer and General Counsel for Indiana's Data Agency and the Founding Secretary and Treasurer of StateRAMP for today's discussion on behalf of Chief Data Officer Magazine. Ted, we're honored to have you with us and excited to learn about what you're up to there in Indiana. Can you give us an example, either a small agency or a large agency, a use case, which you know you're able to discuss um, where, where, where you did that? You created the, the product and then the, the agency was happy with it, it demonstrated the success of the concept, and perhaps you used it then to as an illustration to other agencies?
1: Yeah, and, and I mean I think an, an easy early example was we had a, a smaller agency. Um, and they had a full-time equivalent employee that was spending 20 or so days each month manually compiling data for a report. I mean, our our team looked at this and went, absolutely, we can address this. We automated that report, created a job, and enabled that role then, if you think about, you deliver on the technical solution, but then we worked with our centralized personnel department and that agency and enabled that role to be reclassed, reclassified, as a business intelligence role. Right. So now they can have that proficiency in their office uh, that they didn't have before. That's that's an early example. If I think more recently, we have examples around the, the speed with which we were able to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic with data, yeah. bringing external researchers and PhD level folks because the data sharing agreements were done. Legal didn't need to spend three, four, five, six weeks negotiating agreements and getting in front of the value that could be delivered um, by realizing on these, uh, delivering on these use cases. Um, And we also then were able to bring, I I mentioned the researchers, bring them in in an efficient way without a bunch of contracts uh, because of our legal framework that we have. And then at the same time, and we got lucky here, we had just launched a a cloud-based uh, virtual desktop environment for data sharing with researchers. So it's a containerized system where researchers from multiple organizations could be credentialed, come in, get access to the data that they need, collaborate around it, generate products, hand their insights to the state health commissioner or the state epidemiologist. Um, so right away, both legal and technical, we we delivered on on COVID in a way that I think
0: was pretty unique. That is fascinating. You know, don't underestimate. I, I meant the importance of being able to repurpose uh, a, a person away from what is effectively a non-value add job, generating data reports, and and putting them on something which really advances the business, the government more. I I mentioned during our conversation, I, I ran ERP for about fifteen years, and I saw that countless times. Um, you know, PeopleSoft, Oracle, SAP, where somebody who was spending a lot of time and effort. On a non-value-added technology or reporting task, yet really understood the business of their agency could be repurposed to actually advance the interests of that agency. So, it it that's a really important point that you 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 identified. Um, curious if you saw any use cases, the identification of fraud, or uh, you know either across human services or anything in the, the criminal justice space.
1: There were some early use cases uh, with respect to unemployment compensation fraud uh, that, that, that the Management Performance Hub, when operating under executive order, um, was involved in. I wasn't, uh, I was at ion.gov during that time and uh, don't have all of the details. Okay. One that's related, not as much to fraud, but on the unemployment compensation side that I, I think I would cite now is uh, credit to our Department of Workforce Development. Uh, Their chief of staff and their CIO had this idea of creating an AI-enabled workforce recommendation engine. So in essence, a a UI, an unemployment insurance claimant, once they're in the system now, as of about a month ago, can opt into a career recommendation based on their work history, their education level. And that model has been trained on these these massive education and workforce data sets uh, that MPH has access to. Now, credit to them for seeing that this would be valuable and will help our UI claimants kind of move to the next level, right? In their own Mm -hmm. professional careers. But from our perspective, we were thinking, okay, how do we during during the planning, design, development of this AI model, how do we enable the right individuals to access the right data for the right purposes? Kind of the core of the cornerstone of, of, of data privacy in product development. And uh, we worked really closely with their team to to train the model in an MPH-enabled environment, separate that from the underlying data so that this maybe the student data and things like that weren't going over to an agency that might not have a statutory authorization that's very clear to access it, um, really did it the right way by working together
0: yeah so again, uh, establishing trust across agency borders, bringing knowledgeable folks to help the people in the agencies to do their jobs more efficiently. It rolls forward under the, its own weight, right? I mean, it's just it it, right. it gains gains steam across the state good for you. Um, uh, any other examples you would you know successes any 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 advice that you would offer folks that are trying this to avoid? You know, that that we we, maybe there were some times that that didn't work out quite the well, quite as well as you might have hoped. Yeah, don't force it. it.
1: Don't force it. Don't force it. And you you've been doubling down on this. And I'm 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 hoping that it's coming through for me. The idea of of winning friends by adding value. um, That's the way to do it there in government. There's always going to be bureaucracy. You always have to work through that. Uh, you have to think creatively. You have to find, uh, particularly if the you know in my realm, if the bureaucracy rests with council and other business units, um, build relationships with them. Really articulate the the why and the how. They're often very interested in the in the how. Yeah. Uh, the what legally? How do we do this? What are the mechanics look like? All of the links in the chain around data flows and things like that. Authorities. Um, and you have to read federal rules, uh, with the idea that we want to get to yes, right? It's, let's not say no, maybe it's a yes, but, but let's get
0: there. Right. What can we do? Right. That's right. Well, speaking of which uh, the rules, how often do you find yourself back in front of the legislature and, you know, what kind of reporting do you give them to ensure the continued sustainment of your efforts? You know, obviously, they're successful, but the legislature is going to look at it and say, why and how and how much more money do you need? And what do you think resonates with them?
1: Yeah, so on a, on a biennial basis, every two years, we have a budget cycle in Indiana on the odd years. Um, and we've been very fortunate that the legislature continues to support the management performance of at about $9 million a year, which was our initial appropriation in 2017. Um, we have, as I mentioned, we've attempted to um, sort of build on that by contributing to agencies that have federal funding, creating uh, uh, platforms and products that then we can all benefit from. So we get that exponential value by, by funneling that money to a partner that can leverage it in a meaningful way. Uh, most recently, um, I was fortunate enough to testify before our interim commerce committee um, on AI policy. So something that we've been working on, the management performance hub has some data governance uh, functions across the, the the spectrum of the executive branch, and uh, we're making a big push to to put some guardrails around. We want to be an enabler of AI enabled systems, but we want to ensure that we're doing it the right way and and adopting trustworthy AI in Indiana. So. Got to got to share with our, our friends in the legislature
0: that story. Wow, fantastic! Have you uh, look? The states are the laboratories of democracy for the country. Have you had the opportunity to come to Washington and discuss some of the things you're you're doing there in Indiana?
1: Uh, it, at conferences, mm-hmm. certainly, right. uh, uh, spoke uh, on behalf of State Ramp, the nonprofit that I that I work with uh, during a, uh, a FedRAMP summit recently. Uh, to help tell that story. Certainly nothing before Congress, but I do I do think our uh, state CDO uh, attended a White House summit recently uh, around data. So we're always a part of these conversations, um, usually less direct. We also realize that there's a lot of value in having our partners tell our stories. So particularly at the beginning, everybody expected, and I say at the beginning, 2017, 2018, Everybody expected the CDO and and uh, my colleagues to be out talking about data, talking about MPH. Um, they were they were always surprised when it was the secretary of education, or the deputy chief of staff in the governor's office, or the it was somebody in one of those roles. The secretary of Family and Social Services Administration, which in Indiana is Medicaid, SNAP, TANF, early childhood education. I mean, these are these are large agencies. That make a tremendous impact in the lives of Hoosiers. When they're talking about the value that that data has delivered to their ops, to their teams, that we we get more return out of that than, than the nine times that we go out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To the degree that uh, you you you're comfortable discussing some of the technology, are there any technology approaches that you have seen that are, are used to aggregate all the? I mean. The state has vast amounts of data that you're using to aggregate it for the purposes of, you know, analytics or fraud detection or better interagency cooperation.
1: Yeah, so so we pull from 70 or so source systems across state government. You, you know, you have to remember, um, government at any level wasn't really designed to address um, these these complex challenges that we're seeing in society today. So we have these verticals that we've talked about. We have a health and human services vertical and a public safety vertical. Well, often uh, the recidivism rate can can show up over here in a health and human services context or in an education and workforce context or or vice versa. So we leverage from a tech perspective, a well-known in memory, a a relational database management tool, and then a cloud-based record linkage so that we can ensure accuracy of our record linkage. Again, it's probabilistic. But accuracy in the aggregate as we generate these products. And then we have from the from the cloud perspective, uh, velocity to meet our business user use cases. So if a if an agency chief of staff or somebody in the governor's office comes to us, we're really seeing, we think we have this policy challenge. Uh, we'd really like to see the data. We can put that together very quickly and it moves the starting line forward so that we can deliver value faster.
0: Right. Outstanding. Uh, You know, it's one of the things I I have the privilege of representing Denodo. We get involved into a lot of these discussions uh, at the federal level, where uh, you want to share data, but you have to ensure that people seeing the data um, are able to have the authorization to see it. So we, you know, we as a platform, we're able to catalog the data, we're able to do role based access security to ensure that, you know, folks that see it, can see it, uh, and then, of course, we feed most of the analytics tools, data uh, science tools, and we do this across um, you know all the major uh, clouds. I, I assume being, uh, in aggregate, the state of Indiana would certainly be a Fortune 100 company. I assume you probably have all the major cloud providers operating in the state government.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's well-known. Indiana is primarily a Microsoft shop, um, <clears throat> just given sort of our historic approach. Uh, but certainly, yes, we've got pockets of a little bit of everything around uh, the enterprise of state government.
0: Sure, that's great. So moving forward, what are your uh, three strategic objectives? Doesn't have to be three, could be more, could be less, but your objectives moving forward for your your organization, your personal mission.
1: Yeah, I, for me right now, the focus is, I talked about our AI policy, catalyzing trustworthy AI. Uh, we want, we, you hear about uh, alignment. Outputs that align with our values. If a if a similarly situated human was making this decision, that's now going to be AI enabled. Um, how close? What's the delta there? Um, to do that, we've we're building a, uh, a policy for our executive branch agencies that adopts the NIST AI risk management framework as a maturity assessment, which I think is unique. We've we've shared this with some of our partners in other states. So during the planning, design, development. Of an AI-enabled system, um, our our vendors that are involved, our state agency partners that are involved in that process, are are building to the risk management framework. So those seventy-two subcategories in the framework, and then pre-deployment for for significant systems, we're trying to draw this line. It's a difficult one to draw um, for significant systems. Then we'll work with them to conduct a pre-deployment maturity assessment. Okay, what's our what's our maturity against this subcategory related to bias, right? We don't want our, in- our AI enabled systems to perpetuate biases that are, that are seen as negative. Um, right. So th- things like that, right? Have we addressed the cybersecurity risks associated with this system? Are we respecting individual privacy? What's the IP situation look like? Um, that AI is right now probably at the top of the list. Yep. And then just in the last couple months, uh, our team has, has designated a privacy officer which within each of our 100-plus business units. And uh, last week, we held training in the Indiana State House, actually in our House chamber, uh, for 65 of those privacy officers. Uh, the International Association of Privacy Professionals uh, flew in a trainer for two days uh, to present in person to 65 of those privacy officers. And now, uh, the Management Performance Hub is funding this. Those individuals are going to have the opportunity to test and certify as certified information privacy professionals, so the CIPM designation with the IAPP. Uh, okay. so the idea there, we're going to do data. We're going to continue to drive innovation with data. We want the people that are in these business units to to be able to put that those privacy glasses on, look through that lens, and say, well, maybe it's maybe it's we need to uh, we need to stop here. There's We want the right individuals to be seeing the right data for the right purposes, for the right duration, and we're going to enable them to know which questions to ask, knowing that our team will be the backstop. Um, And then from there, continuing to to build out this privacy program so that um, we're enabling all of these privacy officers to have the tools that they need to excel.
0: So take full advantage of the technology that's available, but have a human uh, interaction to prevent the creation of Skynet, for lack of a better analogy, yeah,
1: that's that's right. We ju- we just recognize that we're a small team. Uh, we've certainly built the privacy, the data science, the governance function within the management performance hub. So, from a policy perspective, we can help to to drive the ship to in in large part. But it's really on our business units. They have their own data officers. They have their own uh, CIOs. Now they have their own privacy officers to sit alongside those folks with that sort of regulatory policy, maybe even a legal lens, but understanding the technology um, and asking the right questions as they come up.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today, Ted. All right. You too, Bill. Thank you. Thank you.